What is Peace Brain? Peace Brain is the synergistic connection between our mental and emotional bodies, blending the electrical power of the mind with the magnetic force of the heart. Listen and explore how to create unity worldwide as we blend science and metaphysics and open our hearts and minds to the possibilities of peace on earth and create the life we are each destined for. Featured guests range from angel communicators to zoologists and everything in between. Now here is your host, Dr. Gail Lash. Hello and welcome to the Peace Brain Show. This is your host, Dr. Gail Lash, and I'm really happy you've tuned in to us today. Today, we're going to be talking about nonviolent communication and how we can all create peace through our actions, our thoughts, our words, and, um, and learn some, some new, new ways of thinking about the world, new ways of thinking about our own choices. And I have a wonderful guest, Nina Rourke. She's going to be on in just a moment. So, again, with the Peace Brain Show, we have a quote at the beginning and a wonderful transformative meditation at the end, so please stay tuned to that, and then a wonderful conversation with my guest um, in the middle. (laughs) So, here we go. So, this quote I want to open the show with, I really like. This is from James Twyman, and he's an emissary of light, he's a peace troubadour, he's a songwriter, he's done some amazing peace work with his songs. And he has this wonderful quote. He says, Lasting peace will never come to a world that thinks it has a choice between peace and war. The only choice you ever really make is between truth and illusion. When you choose truth, you discover that peace is always present, regardless of your awareness of its presence. When you choose illusion, it is like closing your eyes to what is right in front of you. And this is what... It means to wake up from the dream of separation. It's like opening your eyes. Reality has never compromised your dream. It remained whole and unchanged, while you made up your own world where hatred and fear seemed to have meaning. Wow. I know that's pretty deep. (laughs) It has a lot in there. And we do make up our own world. We, we create our own story. We have this world around us that certainly the mass media right now is talking a lot about hatred and fear and the other. And, and there are many things going on in the world that, that need changing, that need to be brought into love and, and unity and taken away from with separation. And what he's saying here in this quote is that separation is really the dream. It's the illusion. We really are this one world, this one humanity, this working together. And there are ways that we can work together. And it's really up to us to make that choice to find within ourselves the beauty and the creation of peace, to, to know that it really is already there. <laughs> so I love that quote. It, uh, it has a lot of, you can re-listen to it again on the recording here and and see what it means to you. It would be a really interesting. Please write in comments on the uh, archive. <laughs> up. <laughs> so today we have Nina Rourke. I I just met her a few weeks ago, and she is a amazing lady. She is a world citizen. She had a business of sharing different cultures and classrooms. 
via hands-on materials and role play. She's been a lifelong activist. Um, she says her Enneagram is number one, trying to fix the world, <laughs> and she's doing a great job at it. She also has been a legal observer at protests, and it's her way of keeping the peace in that place and time. And she discovered nonviolent communication from um, Marshall Rosenberg in 2004, and she's been involved in NVC or nonviolent communication worldwide now, and currently works with. Um, Nina, you're going to have to tell me what CTTT is <laughs> and dialogue around people's views of race, privilege, and justice. So you can find out more about nonviolent communication at www.c, like cat, n, like Nancy, v, like Victor, and c, like cat, dot org. So cnvc.org. Welcome, Nina, to the Peace Brain Show. Well, thank you. Yeah, so I'll have to go back to, the, to that abbreviation. CTTT is coming to the table, and oh, of it's course. basically around race. Yes. Yes, yes, so, thank you. I had forgotten that. It's, a, it's an opportunity for and, people to come to the table and talk about race and, and racial differences and racial unity, correct? Yes, which is a perfect lead-in from your coach from James Torman. <laughs> Love that quote. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's he's an amazing peace troubadour. So you, um, we were talking, and you believe that individuals that the world peace starts with individuals being at, about with peace. You know, being at peace. So how do we do that? Tell us a little bit <laughs> about this nonviolent yeah. communication. Yeah. That's, that's the big question is how do we go about doing that? Mm-hmm. Well, there are a lot of ways that we all know how to keep peace around us, and some of them for me work better than others. And so when I found NVC, um, just the whole nonviolent part, of course, drew me. Um, and so the question was how do I keep that peace nonviolently? Because in our country, we've kind of had this belief that we can keep worldwide peace if, if we go to war and make yes. something happen. And <laughs> Which that, is kind of a non-sequitur, actually. Yes, yeah, exactly. So that didn't really ring true for me. But the way they suggested it in NVC did make sense to me. And there, the, the, the first premise is that all actions are an attempt to meet needs. And that means I have to see everybody doing whatever they're doing simply as a way of meeting a need for them. The problem might so, be, though, that, yeah, got a question? So let me, yeah, let me, let me just ask you. So give an example of a need. I mean, I understand, but that's really interesting. All actions are attempts to meet needs. So, so explain that right. a little bit. Yeah. Well, first off, I don't remember as a child ever being asked specifically, do you need, and focusing on universal needs that everybody has, you know, worldwide. But luckily, my parents were really good at guessing what my needs were. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> I, I, I think lots of parents there. do that. Yes, exactly. Um, but I think we really weren't trained to think about that. 
a lot of times, and to get back to your question, I'm, I'm kind of looking at this in two perspectives. Your question about how do we look at these needs, even though we weren't trained necessarily to look at them in our culture, uh, if you zoom in on somebody having the same need that you have, and I'll give you an example. When the three of us that were living in, in my house at the time for the last uh, presidential election, we all looked through the list of needs, and we all chose the top need, and that was for us, all three chose peace. But hmm. wow. the reality on the ground, though, was that we voted for three different people. So our strategy for attaining this worldwide peace was different. We each mm -hmm. thought that our candidate would be the best one to attain this world peace. So our strategies were different. So when I look at somebody doing something that in the moment I don't think I'm happy with, if I look underneath and see, even though they might not be able to tell me outright the word, the, the need that they're trying to meet, I'm able to kind of internally look at my guesses as to why they would be using the strategy that they're using. Now, our need may be the same again, mm -hmm. but we may be putting different needs in a priority list ahead of some other needs uh, in that moment. But just simply looking at those needs is a way of finally finding common ground, for one thing. Right. And you, you were... Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, that's... <laughs> well, that's you remind me of, of, of my professor back in environmental policy, Dr. Brian Norton. He wrote a book about unity of um, conservationists. He talked about how conservationists all have the same need, if you will, to conserve the environment, to work with, you know, sustaining the resources of the earth. But they go about it in different ways, and therefore they create a lot of conflict because they think that their strategies, as you're calling it, are different and that they're not, the, not having the same goal when, in fact, they really are having the same goal. And it just, we have to be open to hearing the strategies of others and their reasoning for it and seeing how we can work together to create that common goal or that common need. Correct? Yes, absolutely. And I think in many cases, many, many of my friends will openly admit they don't like the feeling of any kind of conflict, and they'll do almost anything to get out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, ignore it go along with, whatever, <laughs> so that they right. don't have to face the conflict. But with NVC, and you're looking at it from that strategies and need perspective, it's much easier to resolve basically a possible conflict even before it occurs. Mm. So That's yeah, really good. <laughs> that fits perfectly in. Yes, exactly. Um and another way of getting back to how we've been programmed, I think, is a culture to not see the system benefits from us not looking at this. 
because it keeps us separated. Kind of mm. your, your initial quote about separation. And I think one of the ways that that can happen is through our advertisements, our media, however we receive information. Um, I'm betting many of us learned a new song this year. It just took it occurred to me the other day. Um, not everybody watches television. I know people who don't have television, so I honor that. But I think those of us who have a television and it's been on at all have heard this little song. Way there, you have just what I need. Well, <laughs> they're focusing on need, <laughs> but yes. that need may not be what we consider a universal need. Uh, it may be simply a desire or a want. <laughs> Um, I may want to order a table from them, and that might address my need for ease when I'm eating, but there are probably a lot of other needs that a person considers when they're ordering the table that may not be a pure, actual, universal need. <laughs> so, okay, so let's, let's kind of talk about that a little bit, the difference between needs, personal needs, universal needs, and, and wants. Yeah. So explain kind of what they are, please. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I may want something that pleases my ego. So if I'm ordering this table, I haven't thought about it this way exactly, but if I'm ordering this table, uh, right. I want it to... To fit in with what my ego thinks uh, fits with the rest of the house or what my next-door neighbors have or uh, what my parents had or didn't have, all those kind of extra things okay. that get fit into our decisions as opposed to just, oh, I need the ease of being able to sit down and eat my dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There, I don't know that it would be useful to even hardly list all these needs uh, if I went down well, the list. You know, yeah, there's obviously universal of ones of shelter and food and and education right. and things like that. Yeah, the yeah. basic exactly. the basic needs of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh huh. But I like yours there, of, of being able to eat your yeah. ta- you eat your dinner just off of a table. That makes sense. That's the basic need there. Right. The, Right, yeah. individual needs. Exactly. So, yes, and some people get into detail of trying to describe what their feelings are or, you know, a specific need. But just the idea of being aware of it on a daily basis, for me, has made a huge difference. And okay, so you just switched before, over to feelings. <laughs> right. Well, so we, feelings, we look at feelings also. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yes. How does that fit into me? Um, a lot of times, yeah, the feelings that we have are often the, the pointers to what the need is. So if okay. all of a sudden somebody does something and it reminds me of something from my past or whatever, then all of a sudden I may react in a, in a way that's not even logical sometimes because I'm really basing it on old, old information. So whatever, it, wherever it's coming from, it's there. My body reacts to something, and it may be my story 
about what I think is going on here, but whatever, my body and my mind are now madly involved in my story, and that's creating feelings. So let's, uh, let me think of an example, maybe. Um, um, hmm. let, I guess should maybe I look at, look at, at fear. What, what is going on here that I'm afraid of? And then when I look at, oh, okay, I'm focusing on fear. Oh, what's the need under that that's making me even think about being afraid? What's not here that I think I need for me to feel safe? And as an aside, I think a lot of us, the, some of the research now is telling us, a lot of us, are going around with much of our day in fight or flight, just on lower levels, but still not what our our body was designed for. Mm-hmm. Our body was mm-hmm. designed for picking up on something that was dangerous and reacting in that moment, but not carrying it with us all day long. So that's right. just kind of an aside. But nevertheless, whatever it is that I'm feeling gives me a hint as to what the need is underneath that I think is not being met or is being met. If all of a sudden I'm feeling exuberant, oh, wow, I can look at, you know, I'm having my needs for all kinds of needs being met. But if all of a sudden I'm feeling that something's not quite right here, then I'm looking at needs that are not being met. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So... If my needs are being met and I'm feeling happy, but your needs are not being met and you're feeling, you know, anxious or or grumpy, <laughs> whatever, how can we work together? In other words, and I'm thinking about in economics, it's kind of with sometimes if one wins, the other loses and or... In other words, it's not a win-win solution. How can we make this all a win-win solution? Because sometimes my needs being met means that yours are not because we're working on the same issue or the same, um, you know, different strategies, but not the same goals, in other words. We're we're actually at opposites. Exactly, yes. So how do you address that? So that's, that's where we're headed in NBC always. So if I'm sitting here analyzing what's going on inside me when something doesn't quite feel right, and I'm thinking through what we've already talked about, okay, they're doing it for some need that I don't understand maybe. Uh, Our strategies are different. But if I can somehow listen long enough that they feel like we have a connection, so in NBC, a lot of people will say connection is the whole bottom line. That <laughs> <Okay>. often <laughs> our temptation, my temptation, is to open my mouth and tell them what I think right away without taking the time to do my internal work to find out exactly what's going on with me. You know, mm. they didn't cause my feelings. Whatever is going on in my what? story or my background <laughs> is <laughs> what's going on in on my side. Mm-hmm. But until they're feeling like they're being really seriously 
heard and listened to, and there's some kind of basic connection. And I'll bet we all know what that feels like. When, when you're talking to somebody and you're really on the same wavelength, you know that feel. And you probably also know the feel I know well of, I really want to change their mind. I want, to, I want them to see the truth. I want to show them my point of view before I get the connection, before I consider what their needs were. <laughs> you know, that's just typical. But mm-hmm. if I'll take the time to actually listen and listen some more and listen some more until I feel that it, it's an energy almost connection with them. At that point, they might even be willing to ask, you know, what, what are you longing for? Trying to get at what their needs are under so that all these needs get put on the table. Also, at that right. point, they might even be able to listen to my side. <laughs> right. But before that, forget it. You know, if I jump mm-hmm. straight in to try to change their mind, they're digging in, and it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But You're correct. I, I, I see it as a triangle. I, I really look at this as a triangle. My side, I'm looking at just my stuff, my observation, my feelings, my needs. And then even we, we look at a request on each of these sides of the triangle, too. What can I request of myself even to to meet this need? It might have nothing to do with them, but just to look at that as a possibility. Then mm-hmm. the second side is this connection side. Connection long enough that I can actually find out what their needs are. Now, if they're trained in NBC, that's pretty easy. I can just outright ask it. But if I outright ask somebody who's not ever really in their culture been trained to look at feelings and needs overtly and talk about them, <laughs> they're going to be put off probably. It's like, what? You're, you're, you're changing the, the whole dynamic here, and I'm not comfortable. So mm-hmm. I might just say, oh, what are you longing for? What what's going on with you? You know, and just listen, listen, listen. At some point, you'll be able to get a feel for what the need is they're trying to meet. And then, once you say that, and and you try to find common needs, and get all those needs on the table. Like there's a game that does this, uh, where you're sitting across from each other and you have cards with all these feelings and needs on them. <laughs> And you mm-hmm. end up with all these needs in the center of your of your table, and you can say, "Oh yeah, we have a common need for this, and we have a common need for that." At that point, we can look at those common needs and say, "Oh, how can we create a strategy that can meet that need for both of us in a way that works for both of us?" Mm-hmm. That gets back to your win-win question. That's yes. a win-win. Yes, thank you. That's a great explanation. So, in the, the go, I would like for you to go over the kind of steps you've you've done it in in your example. But the steps for nonviolent communication is there like a one through ten or one through five or what's the process? I guess. Well, the things that we use, yeah, and I I alluded to it just then. Mm-hmm, right. Observation first, because a lot of times. 
we immediately have a story in our head. You know, this is the story I'm telling myself. It may not actually look a whole lot like the observation that I made, you know, what, what a camera would take a picture mm-hmm. of. It's my story around that. So if I really dig back and say, okay, this is exactly the words that were said, for example, or this is the situation that I'm in without my story. And based on that observation, well, go down the list of, of feelings. Oh, what's my body telling me? Um, and sometimes it's not obvious. Sometimes it is very obvious. My stomach says, you haven't eaten in hours. And I'm, I'm getting this feeling of being hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't think to myself in that moment, oh, yes, I have a need for nutrition right now. You know, I just act on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my stomach is saying, go get food. Um, so that's an easy way of, of getting to feeling sometimes. Your body's telling you. But then once I've zoomed in on the, the feeling that I'm having, oh, okay, then I can go to the need. Okay, yes, I do need some nutrition. And then the question is always choice. How am I going to go about meeting that need? So that's where you get to request. So you're looking at OFNR, we say, observation, feelings, needs, and request. So Great. I can request to myself, oh, yeah, go to the refrigerator, see what's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking at that internally. If I'm, as I said a minute ago, if I'm working with other people in NBC, we'll use those languages, you know, OFNR. Uh, but if I'm working with somebody that has never heard of NBC, I don't want to impose that tool on them and take them out of the space where they really are. I want to go mm-hmm. into their space, what they're feeling, and, and just play with, okay, what are the needs under there with them? What are they longing for? What's the essence of what they just told me? And usually once you kind of reflect their essence, it's like, oh, yes, you got it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yes, thank you. That, that makes it very clear. So you can use a language that they understand that's common between the two of you that's not necessarily nonviolent communication language, but it's getting at the same mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. as the same right. uh, yeah. question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Excellent. And then there's another so meant- whole oh, side of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, sometimes our needs are not going to be met. And mm-hmm. in that case, that's, that's, that's a current personal learning for me. If I look at the, the gap between what I think is going on in the world and my dream of what can be going on for peace in the world, there's a gap in between here. That's a place that I can go to mourn. And that may sound strange because this is a, a, <laughs> a society that doesn't often like to face mourning even mm-hmm. when we're in the middle of it. But to overtly think, oh, yes, there's a gap between here that I'm feeling so sad about. And it may bring me to tears, and it may only last a, fo- a few minutes through the day. But every time it pops up in my mind, just taking a moment to, to mourn that helps me 
see a possible strategy than to get to the to the point that I'm looking for, the peace mm-hmm. on earth side. <laughs> um, Excellent but, point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's just an, another little practice that that I'm learning to to try to remember to do. So it's interesting you bring up that because many times when we feel our needs are not going to be met, we do everything possible to make them happen. In other words, it's like it's not acceptable to have your needs not met. Um, and and, and then, then the frustration comes in, the anxiety, the, the overwork, the, you know, maybe I'll use a figure of speech, stepping on others, you know, that type of thing where we don't care, we just care about us and, and our needs being met. And so it's interesting you bring up mourning that our needs are not met, and kind of it sounds like acceptance that our needs are not met, and doing, then as you said, we have choice. So we have choice to find the best way to not only meet our needs, but what I, it sounds like you're suggesting, it's not just our individual needs, but everyone's needs. Correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. And I think also, like you were describing, we haven't been trained to think in terms of infinite possibilities. We get zoomed in on one way that we want this need to be met, often by a certain person, without realizing, oh, I could get that need met in a thousand ways by myself and by other people. Yeah, but you're I think correct. often we zoom so in on, like you were saying, what we want in that moment and not able to think wider and broader. Mm-hmm. Uh, to infinite possibilities. I like that. So if we're going to teach infinite possibilities, how do you teach that to children? Or how do you get people to expand their viewpoint going forward into hearing not only what others have to say and their strategies, their ways of getting the needs met, but maybe then even a new solution that comes up from the group wisdom? Absolutely. Which is why we have practice groups. Or we have coming to the table groups, or we have discussion groups. Like there's one that's coming up next month uh, that started in Chicago that uh, Decatur is trying. On one night, there will be 100 discussions around a table. There will be a 20-minute play, and the same play for each 100 places. And that play then will trigger whatever the discussion for the next two hours. But it it will be around race. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a way of just getting this discussion, this dialogue going between people, because so often we're within our own little groups where we feel comfortable. Our needs are being met for shared reality, for instance. And Mm -hmm. I am comfortable there. But if I don't understand somebody else's reality, how can I how can I get to getting all the needs on the table? Mm-hmm. If I don't understand how a thousand little cuts a day of microaggressions feels like to somebody, there's no way that I can understand how their day feels to them mm-hmm. and what their needs are. That's true. So 
that that's another whole <laughs> uh, discussion, but it, it's there. It's in our society. Mm-hmm. Well, you're you're being a proponent of empathy and and understanding, oh, you know, other people's way of life <clears throat> and the coming to the table. I know that the YWCA did this a few years ago. Is this also being sponsored by the the YWCA? Uh, that you're describing no, now. Okay. Them. That's okay. No, I know it's, that it's a different group. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the um, the YWCA had something about uh, the same type thing, showing a play and having um, discussions afterwards with people, with small groups at, at various tables uh, around oh, race and yeah. race issues and race unity. Mm-hmm. So, uh-huh. And we do need yeah. to hear the other no, side. No, That's the point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, how can we... Think, um... Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, how can we, other than events like this, the coming to the table or other events that might be in one's neighborhood or with organizations around, how can we expose ourselves to various opinions if we stay in our own groups or cliques? Exactly. Yes. Right. Wonderful question. Yeah, it's it's joining groups like that that, that help you expand. And I think... The one thing, too, that gets back to what you asked a minute ago, when we meet, and there are different groups here in Atlanta that meet to practice in BC, those different groups do that in different ways. We each have hmm. our own little thing that, that seems to work for that group. Um, so people can always join those. Uh, there's one every single Friday afternoon, and there's one at my house, every other Thursday, and then we have them other in, in, in specific places, like high-rises, mm-hmm. places like mm-hmm. that. And then there's a woman that does a very, very pure uh, way of looking just at that observation, feelings, needs, and requests. Uh, and you sign up with her and go to her to that group at her house once a month. So there are different ways of practicing this technique, and that kind of gets back to what you were asking about. How do we learn to look at these infinite possibilities? When you have a group mm-hmm. like that that are kind of on the same page, they can brainstorm. When, when somebody's working on an issue that they're dealing with personally, we can all help brainstorm when we're asked, oh, what are some other possibilities I could think of? Mm-hmm. So just having a group, I think, does help tremendously. And just always remembering, mm-hmm. you always at choice. Before anything happens, when you're dealing with people, immediately you've got four choices. You can blame maybe somebody else. You can blame yourself. You know that voice in your head that says, why did I do that? Or you can look at it from the needs perspective and look at your own needs first and then try to find out what their needs are. So in any moment, I have choices as to to what to focus on. Main choice is, do I want to connect or do I want to prove my point? Do I want to be right (laughs) or (laughs) really listen to them and and see what Mm -hmm. they're needing? Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to to go back... 
Yeah, I, I just want to go back for our listeners to say we're talking about nonviolent communication, and the website to go to is cnvc.org, um, Center for Nonviolent Communication. dot org. From Marshall Rosenberg started the um, started the original technique. So you can find a group in your area. You know, if you're not here locally in Atlanta, both Nina and I are in Atlanta, Georgia, USA. But uh, there, is, there are groups all over the world, and so please look up cnvc.org and find a group near you So and start practicing. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, Nina. Keep going. Keep going. I just wanted to <laughs> branch out and let people find their own groups wherever they are. Right. Yeah. That's a great idea. No, that's mm-hmm. amazing. I think the other, the other point that I had thought of about that I have to watch constantly is my judgment. Our, our brains are designed to, to judge in any moment, are we safe or not? But sometimes yeah. we get caught in that old reptilian part of the brain and <laughs> we're judging other people's actions or we're judging our own. Uh, so just learning to kind of watch for what I'm judging. Um, as you said, I, I'm an Enneagram One and that's what they do. <laughs> They judge a situation and say, oh, well, this needs to be fixed without asking anybody else <laughs> if they agree and how can we come to a win-win. Mm-hmm. And therefore, how do we find peace in every moment? If we're focused on win-win in every moment, that's bringing peace around us. That's true. Yeah. And the judgments many times are taught. I mean, most of them are oh, taught. We. Yeah. Children Absolutely. don't have the judgments until they learn sort of the, quote, right and wrong, unquote, of that particular culture or society. And we get caught up in the, um, you know, my group does it this way and my group dresses this way and my group uh, doesn't have tattoos or, or my group does have tattoos <laughs> or, you know, right, my yeah. group is... Um, whatever. I mean, that does get back into the race relations you were talking about earlier, as well as many any anything else. We we tend to be familiar with, we, we prefer familiarity as a human being of something that we know, as you said, is safe. And we've put the safe label on certain actions, certain looks, certain speeches, certain um, views of the world. Uh, and and not and then there's the unknown and the unknown is in the unsafe category until we begin to know it until we begin to connect as you're saying and that's really the value I see of connection is you're taking that unknown and bringing it into that known category so that you can get it past the unsafe label <laughs> or the dangerous label and into the oh well let me consider this let me hear this let me oh hmm maybe we do have things in common and we can work together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we come with a whole list of shoulds in our society. <laughs> we do have a lot of shoulds. <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't should on ourselves. Uh huh. <laughs> right. Yes. <yeah. laughs> so, so I want to talk more about children and the work you've done. You've you've been an activist. You've, um, I think you've worked with a lot of youth, or you've done a lot of things in different organizations. Tell us a little bit about. Your your work. 
Um, that was in the, in the past, but that was something that was dear to me, was to bring back artifacts from different cultures and to set up a classroom so that they experienced that culture all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. That, of course, was very time-consuming and all that, and then I ended up moving <laughs> out of the country and then moving back and um, kind of let that go. But because my research and on the graduate level was in learning styles, a lot of times we neglect the children that learn tactily. And so that was my focus. How do I get them involved in feeling the materials, pretending to, to, to be in a canoe and, and paddling and what's it feel like to have a baby in a, in a shawl wrapped around your neck and things like that, role-playing uh, different cultures. It's just another way, like you're saying, of coming to the table, kind of. Mm-hmm. What's it like to be in another culture? As we say, walk in somebody else's shoes. Exactly, yes. And we have cultures right here (laughs) in our country that help us become more whole. Um, That whole idea of walking in somebody else's shoes came from some natives walking in moccasins. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And they're a reminder to us nowadays that, oh, yeah, they understood the world in a very different way. They didn't understand it from the ownership and the accumulation and the greed aspect that we've added in um, to our culture. Um, But that's another whole discussion. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is. Property rights and, yeah, exactly, and, and the West versus... The east or the or the north versus the south, the tropics. Yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation, and those are those are what I think is the value of education, of exposing our kids and adults, if you want to go back to school, um, to to various viewpoints. I remember um, Dr. Joy DeGruy has this wonderful lecture that she talks about how people in the tropics would work together and, you know, if you, it was very community-oriented, or is, and it's not a was, it is very uh, community-oriented, and you can just go pick a mango off the tree. I mean, you have everything you need, It's and the village would take care of the children and that type of thing. But in the north, when you have cold winters and you had to store food up for the times when you did not, when things could not grow, then you had to hoard. You had to have your safe food for your clan or your tribe. And if you didn't, you starved to death. <laughs> so so that required the property rights you're talking about and defending against others. So it's simply, that's based on climate. That's just based on location around the world and, and, the, and the practices, the strategies we're talking about to get the needs met, to feed yourself <laughs> and to raise your children yeah. and, and protect oneself. So... Uh, so different mindsets based on different localities and climates and what will grow and what won't. And now that we're a global society and we're sharing our food all over the world and and making manufacturing all over the world and basically interdependent around each other, we really do need to know these different cultures and how they look at things. 
um, differently from maybe the Western view or the United States view or the the colonial view <laughs> um, in many, you know, or the, even the economic capitalistic view. And so it's it's about learning the various strategies that you were talking about here. All right. Yeah. You just kind of pulled it all together, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) But I want to go back to your choice. So I know what we've talked about a lot is about working with others and learning about others and observing others. Um, And I use the word others, but, you know, people, not me. But going back to observing me, observing oneself and having choice, you had mentioned the four choices we have in any one moment. Um, that's kind of it's interesting I think we do obviously make choices every moment of the day that's the way we live life but to know to be conscious of the internal choices or why we make choices does that just take practice or how can we better accomplish that to know that to kind of stop and say wait I was just going to make the choice to get anxious or pissed off at somebody but now I can think okay why why am I doing that what's my need that's not being met or or how are they different in their quote making unquote me feel bad when they're really not it's just me making myself feel bad right right exactly and I think it's just a matter of practice 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 that old (laughs) saying (laughs) you're not I'm never going to have this down pat. You know, I recognize that. At my age, it's not going to happen. No matter how old I've become, I'm never going to have what I would consider NBC down pat. Because it's it's really not just a technique that I can use internally or with others. It's living it. It's actually living the, the the awareness, I guess you would say, of, okay, somebody just did something, but I don't have to react to it negatively or positively. Mm-hmm. It's just it is. And wow. what, what's the need of it? And how can I address the need? But it's not something that I learned, you know, as a child. So it's something that I'm retraining uh, a friend of mine that, that I work with in this often says, yeah, it's like you're on a great big cruise ship and suddenly you want to change languages. You don't turn that ship around on a dime <laughs> and go a different direction with a different type of language. It, it just takes time. Right. And having other people working on it with you is certainly helpful. You know, just having yeah. that awareness that, oh, yeah, I can call so-and-so and help me work through this when I'm getting stuck. I can have an empathy buddy. And we certainly study empathy, and you mentioned it earlier. Empathy is really at the heart of all of this. And the, the, the one NBC person that I'm really following and working with uh, internationally right now is Nikki Kashton and her sister. And her sister has come up with one word empathy. Instead of repeating back what you what they just said and help and hoping that that's going to help them feel heard, she'll just say, "Ouch!" or "Oh!" It's it's letting them know that you're really there. Um, 
And I don't remember the song, but there's a part, there's a line on the song that I so treasure that for me is empathy. I can taste the salt in your tears. Mm. And I can, I almost cheer wow. when I, when I say that, because that is just so deep. If you are so in their moccasins at that moment that you can feel and taste their tears, that's real empathy. Yeah, you're right about that. You mentioned one thing that I, I just wowed at, and that is that when we see someone else doing something that's different or we're observing, we don't have to react. And I think that's a really powerful statement. It gets at the concept of detachment. And that's not being non-empathetic, but that's just being neutral and, and as you said, observing, but detached from that particular viewpoint so that I'm not getting all anxious and trying to change or make them, quote, right, or, you know, get all huffy and puffy about, wait, 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 that's not the truth, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's, it's being able to be detached or neutral and listen and, and not react. I think that's huge. So yeah. we're getting toward the end of the show. I just want to say you've got a, a few minutes left to put your final words of wisdom, Nina, for, for our listeners. <laughs> so what would you like to share? I had not even really thought of that ahead because we've covered that's so okay. much. Mm-hmm. I think for me it's just trying to the best of my ability to see every person in their humanity. They're just like I am. We're all one. We all have the same needs, the same feelings. Um, And if I can really just focus on them, not as other, but trying to find out where the commonality is, especially now in in our political situation, we're, we're being separated. So I think for me, the the goal is find the places where there's connection instead of separation. Hmm. That's probably the bottom line. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's very true. Is that connection then gives you that empathy or that more the the better understanding of where they're coming from and how you can work together. Yeah. Well, thank you, Nina, for being on the Peace Brain Show. No, go ahead. You have a, a, another comment? Absolutely. No, I just think that that came right back to your original uh, quote from James Clinton. It's, you know, the dream, uh, we can do this dream without separating. Mm. That's an interesting comment. You know, his idea of truth and illusion. Yeah. The truth can be the peace. The illusion may I want to maybe I want to close my eyes and not really open to all the possibilities. Mhm. Yeah, I love the limited, unlimited pos- possibilities, and thinking outside the box, basically outside of our own boxes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Use our imagination. Excellent. It's going to be a Ooh. big key, I think. Now. <laughs> Use imagination. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. and that gets back to the children. You know, of having permission to use that imagination to think differently. And kids, we allow to do that, but adult, as adults, we tend to sometimes put strings on it or, or rein it in. And that's 
Right. We need to get back yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. To I think we need up. to look at where do we start not allowing children to be as free in their imagination? When do mm-hmm. we start putting the shoulds on them? <laughs> well, definitely <laughs> something to consider. Because it's, it's mm-hmm. the mothers often that have perpetuated this, you know, just because that's the way we were raised and this is what we think we should be doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, it's about keeping yeah. the, the baby safe and this is the way uh-huh. that that is accomplished and when there's really multiple yeah. ways to do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Nina. Um, I really appreciate the conversation on nonviolent communication and choice, and it's been wonderful to have you on the Peace Brain Show. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Well, it's been my pleasure, definitely. Yeah. So, again, everyone, my guest is Nina Rourke, and you can find out more about what we're talking about, nonviolent communication, at cnvc.org. Uh, you can find a group in your area to go practice, so please do that and practice um, another way of relating to the world and relating to yourself, each of ourselves. So now just take a breath. I want to walk us into the Peace Brain Meditation and be present. I invite you to sit comfortably in your chair, wherever you are. Just kind of wiggle your toes. Be aware of your, of your breath and your body. And, and I invite you, you can close your eyes or not, it's up to you, and I invite you to feel. What are you feeling? You know, we so often don't get a chance to tune into our feelings other than frustration or anger or maybe extremely happy when we have those moments. But what are you feeling right now? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you comfortable? How's the, the lining of the chair or whatever? Is it soft? Is it, is it leather? Is it cool? Is your body feeling cool? Are you comfortable? Are you twitchy? <laughs> are you nervous because you have something to do later this afternoon and your mind's in the future? Or are you thinking about something in the past that maybe you forgot to do or you have to follow up on that you haven't done yet? So be aware. Just bring your awareness to you, not only to your physical body, those physical sensations of your body, but also to your to your, let's start with your mental body. You know, what are you thinking? What kinds of thoughts have been going through your head? Have you been thinking about the way you grew up as a child and were taught about what's right and what's wrong or what's the, the strategy to use for safety and to walk in the world? And then tune into your emotional body, your wonderful emotions. These are from your heart. This is from your inner knowing this tells you, as we've been talking about, if your needs are met um, and, and that happiness or that anxiety or that discomfort or the joy. So tune into the emotions of the moment. And they change, of course, from moment to moment. And that's excellent. Be aware of that. And now tune into your spiritual body. We have four bodies, our physical mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies. And know that you all also are a divine being. You're this being of light that's outside of your physical body, your soul, your essence, your chi, your energy, 
whatever word <laughs> from whatever culture or religion you are. There's multiple ways to talk about this. And so tune into that part of you that is that is limitless, that is abundant, that is connected to all that is. And be present. And I invite you to practice this, tuning into these four bodies, perhaps every day, or more than once a day, who knows, whatever works for you. Tune into how your physical body is feeling, your mental body, your thoughts, your emotional body, your heart, and your spiritual body, your divine essence. And then go forth and practice getting your needs met and with a win-win of observing and listening and learning about other strategies and how that needs can be met for all those universal needs and feelings. So thank you so much for tuning into the Peace Brain Show today. You can open your eyes and become get back to the room. Take another breath. I really appreciate you tuning in, tuning in to my guest, Nina Rourke. And again, you can learn more about nonviolent communication at cnvc.org. And if you want to learn more about me, Dr. Gail Lash, you can go to my website, tourismforpeace.com, or email, email me at hello at peacebrain.org. So now please go forth and activate your peace brain and put your peace park on our World Peace Trails map. Thanks for tuning in again. Many blessings. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for joining us on the Peace Brain Show. You can find us at tourismforpeace.com. Be sure to check out Dr. Gale's Akashic Records readings, her peace master plans for your business or organization, and her book, Hashtag Opt for Peace, Nine Essential Steps to Achieving Peace, Power, and Prosperity. Tune in to BBS Radio, Station One, every other Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific and 9 p.m. Eastern to the Peace Brain Show for your installment of wonder, inspiration, and practical peace.